Well, here we go. My name's Rob, for those of you that uh, don't know me, and uh, we are concluding a series that we've been doing this summer, and uh, next week we're going to be starting, what do you know, a new series uh, for the fall, uh, which uh, I'm looking forward to. We're going to be looking at uh, Be Joyful. Uh, it'll be a, a look at the book of uh, Philippians, uh, written by the Apostle Paul, uh, and there's just a lot of practical wisdom in that book on how we can experience God's uh, joy, how we can actually be uh, joyful. Uh, but I don't know about you, I am in sort of Olympic withdrawals, uh, quite honestly. Uh, I uh, very much enjoyed watching the Olympics, and uh, I am very much at a loss uh, with what to look at at the moment. Uh, there's always other sportsmen. U.S. Open tennis is on. I could spend a lot of hours watching that, and, and uh, the Patriots are coming. And I can but reality is I don't actually spend a lot of time watching TV. So the Olympics was great because you get short segments of really awesome stuff. Uh, and for those of you that do know me, you know that I just like athletics, and I run twice a week. For those of you that think running at uh, 5.45 in the morning is a good idea, Yes, I see everybody's smiling that thinks that's a good idea. And uh, we do that in the dark. We do that when it's cold. We do that when it's hot. Uh, but I have a group of buddies that I run with uh, that don't belong to this church. They're not part of, most of them are not church folks. Uh, and of course, there's always stimulating conversation because we all uh, just climbed out of bed. Uh, we haven't brushed our teeth. We haven't combed our hair. Uh, we just did a run. And uh, people just start talking about like whatever is on your mind. So invariably, I'm talking about Jesus, and they just hate it. So, uh, you know, the, the topic is this. We always talk about politics and religion. Uh, those are the first two topics, uh, because everybody wants to talk about them. Everybody says, let's not talk about them, but somehow that always ends up going there. And I'm not the one that brings up the Jesus one. they just, like, constantly criticizing me or something. So... Uh, you know, I've been sharing some of the awesome things about uh, the Olympians and uh, their connection to Christ and, and faith. And the answer from our running buddies is pretty predictable. It's like, oh, Rob, come on. Are you telling me because somebody believes in Jesus, they're now winning gold? And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm telling you. That's not what I said. Now listen to me. I'm telling you that they have something which is more valuable to them than winning gold. Oh, please, are you telling me? And then it go back to the same old thing. you telling me that Michael Phelps, you know, won all these medals because now some other he had a, a change of heart and it's got nothing to do with his great, you know, genetics and his great swimming technique and his great, like, you know, he's got super long arms and big feet and, you know, it's got nothing to do with that. You're trying to tell me it's all Jesus. And I'm like... No, you got it all wrong again, but let me tell you why faith is really important and why these people, these athletes, uh, many of them are putting Jesus as like a high value and something really highly regarded. And let me also tell you again and again that people like Tom Brady and Michael Phelps, when they've hit like the high mark and won gold medals, are saying there's got to be more to life than this. And what I'm trying to tell you as we run along, there is more to life than us, and, okay, they're just not hearing it. Because as athletes, when we run, they're always looking for an angle. Like, can I eat better food? Half my buddy's all vegan. I don't know if that's better for them or not, but they, they, that's where they are. And so, you know, got all these incredible uh, habits, and they stretch, and they run, and they've got 
training programs and my gosh, it just goes on and on and on and on because they're fanatical about it. And if they can see that there's an angle with faith that somehow or other that'll improve their odds of winning, then the, yeah, they'll add faith. But what they don't want to hear is that like faith is like transcends all that. Like it's, and so, uh, well, so we go. But I do want to talk about some of these uh, athletes uh, in the Olympics because like I said, I'm in withdrawals. And, uh, you know, uh, my, my favorite was Chariots of Fire, Eric Little, you know, 1924 Olympics. And we kind of get this big concept for the first time of somebody saying, you know what? Uh, winning a gold medal is really important. It's really awesome. But running in that time, for him, running on a Sunday was just not going to be honoring God. So he'd rather forego the, 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 the medal than dishonor God. Uh, but what I loved about um, uh, Eric Little's uh, testimony was the fact that he was saying, you know, I love running and I love winning. And I do want to run for gold, and he did indeed win uh, a gold. But uh, he says this, <clears throat> But I have had my eyes on a different prize. Each one of us is in a greater race than I have run in Paris. That's where the Olympics were in 1924. And this, uh, this race, the race that he's interested in running, and this race ends when God gives out the medals. Okay, so his whole life focus was, okay, the, running for gold is great. Uh, you know, he so well articulated that, you know, it's through running that he feels the joy of God and the love of God because God has given him the, the talent. But he's saying there's something more important. He said the race of life uh, is to run in a way that pleases God, that eventually we'll get the real medal that counts. And, uh, you know, he went on and did missions work and uh, was just an inspiration. But uh, in this Olympics, uh, the first uh, person that I thought was really interesting was the lady from Ethiopia, the 10,000-meter uh, winner, Elmez Ayana. Uh, there she is. And now what happens in, in running, or cycling particularly, and uh, in swimming, if you start breaking records, which have been around for a while, the immediate accusation is you doping. Because there's no possible ways you can, you like, break these records unless there's something fishy going on. So, of course, she no longer finishes the race, uh, you know, by smashing it by 14 seconds. I mean, she, like, she just, like, killed this record. Uh, and people will say, okay, you're doping, uh, you know, let's do blood work. And she says, my doping is my training. And my doping is Jesus. Nothing otherwise, I am crystal clear, which she was. So they did all the tests, and there she was. She said, okay, that's how I did it. And then uh, the other American swimmer, Simone Manuel, uh, she won the 100 meters of freestyle. Now, an American hasn't won this thing since 1984. You know, so it's like, okay, this has been out of reach for Americans for a long time, and she's African-American. And then after the race, she says this. With tears rolling down her cheeks, all I can say is all glory to God. Now, the thing that so intrigues me about this is when I'm watching the Olympics, you don't get any clue that any of these athletes are believers. I mean, it's like some other 
American TV has a, uh, a way of just like cutting out anything of faith. I mean, if, the, if the, somebody just like her, I mean, if she's just like not trying to, you know, put it in your face, but if she's just saying, you know, I'm just so grateful to God, whoop, that gets like totally cut out. Uh, it's really bizarre, actually, how much is edited out uh, of faith. Uh, and likewise, uh, g- gymnast, Olympic g- uh, gymnast uh, Simone Biles, uh, you know, she's probably one of the greatest ever. And uh, she says she draws strength from her relationship with God and her faith. And come out of adversity, got adopted, her mother was addicted, her grandparents raised her, and that's what she says. Katie Ledecky uh, is still an incredible swimmer and has the potential to be probably one of our greatest female swimmers. I mean, she also dominated the 800-meter freestyle by winning it by 11 seconds. I mean, it wasn't even close. And she says, her faith in Christ is part of who I am. It's just, you know, it's part of who I am. And then Alison Felix, I mean, she is just, like, incredible. So she's, this is her third Olympics, and uh, she's won nine gold medals. She's the most decorated woman in U.S. track and field history. And for most people, her name is just, like, unknown. I mean, Alison Felix, unless you're into track and field like I am, uh, you just, like, wouldn't know about it. And her faith is just huge. Uh, She says, my faith is definitely the most important aspect of my life. Most important. Uh, Olympic, you know, just incredible history. No, my faith is the most important thing. My dad is a seminary professor. I grew up in a very strong Christian home. Our family was very involved in our church. I am so blessed to have my family and and the upbringing that I did. And then she says, I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior at a very young age. Ever since then, I have continually been striving to grow in my relationship with God. I was nowhere close to being the perfect child. I had my share of difficult times, along with uh, some disappointing choices that I made. But thankfully, God never stops loving me. And then she says, I try not focus on the pressure surrounding me. Now, this is where I want to go here today because these uh, Olympic athletes uh, have tremendous pressure and stress when you're giving everything you got for an opportunity that comes around once every four years. uh, You've got to get a lot of things to work right. I mean, to be healthy, to peak, to eat the right food, get the right sleep, you know, figure out all the logistics. And she says... I try not to focus on the pressure surrounding me. I love Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And this is what it says. Now, this is our series coming up next, next week onwards. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That verse always encourages my heart when I am dealing with any kind of pressure and throughout the struggles of my life. Uh, My faith calms my heart. I try to stay in the Bible and I pray a lot, just talking to God. He provides my strength and my wisdom. And then she carries on and says this, In the season of my life that I'm in now, I feel so blessed that God has given me the talent of running. 
My running is an amazing gift from God, and I want to use it to the best of my ability to glorify Him. You have to have this passion, and you have to have a reason for doing what you're doing. And there really has to be a purpose there. I think that's what's driving success. I know my talent is from God, and that's my purpose, to run to glorify Him. I mean, you know, here's somebody that's really got it. Uh, here's another quote from her from a different place. I've learned that track doesn't define me. Now, think of it in your own context. Can you say the same thing? Can you say, I've learned that my family doesn't define me, my work doesn't define me, my kids don't define me, my parents don't define me. You know, everything that you might value. My money doesn't define me, my athletic ability doesn't define me. She's saying, I've learned that track doesn't define me. My faith defines me. I'm running because I have been blessed with a gift. Now that is just like incredible perspective. I spend around two and a half hours on the track every day running and another two hours in the weight room lifting weights with my strength coach. Now if you look at her, she's like super skinny. I don't know where all that strength training is coming on. When she was high school, they called her chicken legs. But, you know, he has four and a half hours a day, just like hard work, you know, really hard work. And he gets old year in and year out, third Olympics. My mom is great, and I, make sure that, uh, and I make sure that we pray together before every race. She helps me put everything in perspective and remind me of the real reason I run. You know, there's something here, folks, that if we can get our lives in, with this sort of perspective, like, like we can... Do the things we do. We can be passionate about the things we're passionate about. But at the same time, we keep it in perspective. And we say, it's Christ who defines us and who gifts us and who provides for us and who protects us. And we can release our struggles and our burdens and our pressures to Him. And we can still enjoy pursuing goals and things that God has, has given us. Now, my, my favorite Olympic quote, and I'm sure you guys all riveted to your TVs watching rugby. Uh, I mean, it was the first time this was the Olympic sport, and as predictable, there was zero American coverage on rugby, even though America is actually pretty good. You might not even know that. I mean, not good around this part of the country, but Southern California, Utah, other parts of the country, we're pretty good. Uh, now, the powerhouses in rugby are New Zealand, uh, Australia, South Africa, England, France. Uh, these are the countries that dominate. But you know who won gold? This huge country of Fiji. <laughs> it's the only medal they've ever won, ever. <laughs> now, if we can get this video clip, just, just watch these guys uh, celebrating after they won gold. Just listen to the words of what they're saying, if you can. in their local dialect and then they'll go in English.
Okay, we can stop it over there. This is what, they, this is what they're singing. They're singing Revelation. They're saying, we have overcome, and in context, we have overcome the enemy. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that's what they sing. That's their, that's their praise song for their victory. Can you imagine a whole team getting together with that enthusiasm? We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah, it's, yeah it's a, that's their national thing. It's just an awesome, an awesome thing. They were really... Uh, <laughs> They, so, they beat England in the finals. It was so embarrassing. It was like 45 to 7. It was like such a... <laughs> it was unbelievable. So it wasn't like by luck. These guys truly played the most inspiring uh, sevens rugby you can imagine. But uh, today, I, I want us to focus on this topic um, of 1 Peter 5.7. And it says this, Give all your worries and cares to the Lord, for He cares about you. Give all your cares, give all your worries to the Lord uh, because He really cares about you. Uh, and, you know, the point that I'm trying to make here is we all care about things. I mean, if you're not passionate about things, you don't care about things, uh, then you're like dead. I mean, you should care about things. You should care about your family and your friends and whatever it is that you do for, you know, a profession. Uh, but we need to get these things in perspective. Uh, we need to be passionate, but we don't need to be consumed with worry. Uh, we need to live this life uh, with the fullness of the joy of the Lord, but not carrying the weight of our difficulties and our struggles. And what I want us to get out of the sermon today is, how do we do that? Now, like Practically, how do we like get rid of the weight that we put on our own shoulders and how do we experience the freedom and the joy and the love and the care of God? That's, that, that's my, what I'm trying to get at. So let's ask the help of the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'll do in our lives what only you can do. Uh, where you'd move in us, you'd give us hope, uh, you'd inspire us. And Lord, I just pray you'd put heat on my message today. Uh, Lord, that you would uh, just enable me to preach. Uh, you'd open up the hearts of those listening, that you would uh, fill them, you would inspire them, you would infuse hope, and you would impart a sense of faith to them. Lord, that uh, people can leave here today feeling encouraged and uplifted because of you. And so, Lord, I just invite your presence to be here. In your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so uh, this summer, here's the Bible promises. We've been doing a series on Bible promises. And again, let me just uh, read through all the different promises because I selected uh, some maybe, you know, obscure Bible promises. Well, they're not that obscure, but I'm trying to get a feel of, you know, how awesome God is, what is His character like, and what are the things that we can hang on to when we're going through difficult times and we're going through struggles. What are the things that, that help us when we're in pressure points in our lives? Where, what are the verses that we can you know, lean on and, and memorize and focus on. And so the first one I preached on was, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And the big idea there was, if we think of God, we should not be thinking of God who's distant and angry and a disciplinarian. We should be thinking of God that's slow to get angry, that really loves us, and that wants us to approach Him, and He'll, you know, forgive us. He's merciful. And then uh, the second... Uh, one was, uh, second sermon was First Peter one twenty four. The grass withers and the flowers fade, 
but the word of the Lord remains forever. And here the idea was, we can depend on the word of God. It's going to be around forever. Uh, it's dependable. It's reliable. Things that look permanent are like grass. They just come and go. They fade away. Matthew the, uh, 5, 7. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And here the big idea is uh, God expects us to have a different attitude to those around us that aren't believers, where we want to be people of compassion. We want to have mercy, and the, the promise is that we will be treated that way by God. So be nice, and God will be nice to you. I mean, be merciful, and God will extend mercy to you. Then we looked at uh, Hebrews 11.6. God rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Now, the big idea behind that verse is this. God desires us to seek Him. But we can actually find Him. It's not like we seek and we seek and we seek. He rewards us when we seek Him. And so it encourages us to, to keep on seeking, to keep on leaning in. And then 2 Corinthians 13, 9, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And here it is where we have a dependence on God when we're feeling down and out, when we've been punched in the gut. God says, My power is like increases when you're weak. So uh, another tremendous verse where uh, God has the power. And then last week, Kareli was uh, preaching on uh, Psalm 23 and uh, the opening verse, The Lord is my shepherd, and I, not, uh, and I shall not want, in the King James Version and in the New Living Translation, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall have, uh, He meets all my needs. Well, well, let me get it right. I have all that I need, in the New Living Translation. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. So, you know, there's the sense of, okay, God's in control, God's leading, God's providing, God's protecting. Everything that you need, God is going to make sure that you, that you get it, to live an, an ordinary, everyday, happy, well-adjusted, loving, full, complete life. I mean, or the option is do it your own way, and good luck to you. Then, you know, you're not part of needing the shepherd. And today, as I said, I want to talk about how do we physically do this? How do we give all our worries and cares to God because He cares about us? And I think that's just uh, an, an awesome a promise. But it's easier said than done. Uh, it's one thing to say, you know, just yeah, give all your, your worries and cares to God and He'll take care of it. But the question is, how are you doing with that? Do you feel like you are worried do you feel like you are stressed out? Do you feel like uh, you've got some heavy burdens? Or is your testimony, is your experience, uh, no, I feel like God is with me and God is carrying my burdens and I don't feel stressed out. So like the Olympia, uh, any one of them, Alison Felix, you're lining up for the 400 meters, uh, you're obviously nervous. You're obviously feeling, you know, anxiety. You're obviously wanting to do well. But do you also feel the peace of God and the strength of God and the joy and the excitement of God in your race, in your walk, in your week? So can you simultaneously take on the stress, uh, take on the challenge, enjoy the event, enjoy what it is that you're doing with all the realistic Heart, heartache and headaches that go with it and experience 
this peace and this joy with God. Because that's real Christianity. It's not like living in a bubble where you're not experiencing the pressure. You are experiencing the pressures and the difficulties. But you also are able to give it to God, depend on God, and experience that He's caring for you. That should be the normal uh, uh, situation here. You know, I think the way that we uh, might want to look at that is uh, asking ourselves three questions. And I've got this in the bulletin insert if you want to track with me. But the first question I think we need to ask is, will you? Will you actually give it over to God? Or will you not? Because this is not just like automatic. Uh, you know, like Alison Felix said, she says, you know, I'm in the Bible regularly and I pray a lot to God. And before every race, I think she was saying her and Amar get together and, and they pray together. Uh, but there's an intentionality besides I'm giving this to God. And we're we, 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 we asking God to get involved in our situation. We're not just taking it for granted. We, we say, God, I'm in a pickle, or I need your wisdom, or this is stressful, or this is super exciting and I just don't want to blow it. Or, you know, God, I'm asking you. And we, what are we doing? We're saying, I, I choose to give it to God. As opposed to just assuming, oh, I'm a Christian you know, I'll just carry on. God will be with me in some way. Well, yeah, but there's a difference between saying, God, I give it to you. I choose my own will to give this to you and to see what it is that you want to do with it and with me. And I'm asking you, God, to get involved and, you know, do something out of it. Now, firstly, I, I encourage us to do that. But on the other hand, the next question is, are your goals God's goals? Because one of the reasons we're reluctant to ask God to get involved in what it is that we're planning or wanting to do or desire is some sort of, and it's a sort of a perverted fear. It's a perverted fear that we want to keep control because if I actually give it to God and I say, God, like, okay, this is what I want. This is what my dream is. This is my desire. Some other God is not going to like that. And he's going to deny your joy and your peace and the very thing that you're striving for, and the very thing that you like want to put all your hope in, and it's like, I'm kind of nervous to give it to God. If I just keep it myself and say, okay, you know, God, I want to win the whatever, you know, 400 meter sp sprint, and just be with me, and, and God, that's my desire. That's a different deal to, God, I give this to you. If I win it, I win it. I want to try my best. If I don't, then just, you know, whatever, use, use it for some other glory or there's a different stress level there. Or if it's work, if you sort of add them and you say, I want to make as much money as possible, and God just bless me, just help me to make as much money as possible. I want to be promoted. I want to be rich, and I want to have lots of stuff. Now, God just like bless me in that. That's a whole different proposition, uh, and you might be scared to say, how about God just, like, you direct my career. I mean, if you want me to, like, take a turn here and do something totally different, uh, 
that makes me feel a little scary, uh, scared because I'm not sure what that would mean. But if, if you open this up, if this is where you're directing, I want to go that way. Uh, God, I just put my, hand, my, my career in your hands. Uh, you know, if, this, if it takes this direction, it takes this direction. If I always thought I wanted to be an architect and now you want me to be a doctor, or if, you know, I've always been an engineer in this area and now all of a sudden you want me to take on something which has a whole different flow, you know, yeah, okay, God, I, I, I give you that. I give you control. It's a big challenge for us to make our goals, to allow God's goals to be our goals versus having our goals and saying, God, just bless our goals. Now, the third question I'm asking us is, what does it feel like? What does it feel like when you give your cares and the worries to the Lord? Uh, it does it feel like, okay, this is anxiety-provoking because I'm worried that God is going to take me in a direction I don't want to go? Some other, uh, we sort of conjure up that God always expects the worst for us. You know, we don't do this consciously. But it's like, okay, if I, like my worst fear, would be doing what Bob does. I mean, I can't imagine being a linguistics English professor. Oh, gosh, that would be like a nightmare to me. I have no interest in, linguist in linguistics and like... Now, if I'm just like, okay, God, if I give myself to you, you're going to make me into an English-speaking linguistics professor. That... Now, when you think of it, when you articulate that, like, why would God ever do that? God is not going to send you as a missionary to Africa if you like just petrified of that idea. It's probably not going to happen. But somehow other, our, our, our disconnect with God is if I give it to God, it's going to be so bad. I mean, the worst thing, my biggest inadequacy is what God is going to ask me to do. Now, you guys know my testimony. That's actually exactly what happened when I gave it to God. He asked me to be a preacher. The very thing I said to God I'd never want to do. I'd hate to do that job. That's the worst possible job anybody could ever do. I, I articulated that. I said that to my wife sitting in church. I said, that's the worst job. Why would anybody ever do it? And now here I am preaching. Okay, so I understand that, yeah, your worst fears... Yeah, thank you. Your worst fears can be realized. I understand that. But at the same time, I've got to tell you that God is good. And if He's going to take you on that path, if He's going to equip you to be a missionary to darkest Africa, somewhere along the line, your desires are going to change. And you're not going to change them. God is going to change them within you. I, I promise you, He'll do that. And when it all is said and done, and when you look back, I'm going to say to God, thank you for making me a preacher and no longer being a CPA. CPA was fun. I did enjoy being a CPA. Well, not really. But I enjoyed being a chief financial officer. I did not enjoy being a, a CPA. But, you know, that was fun. But thank you, Jesus, that you got me out of that, and I'm doing this. This is way more difficult, uh, but I'm way more interested in it. God will change us. He will change our desires. He will. But what does it feel like? What does it feel like to give our worries and our concerns to God. Now, any of you that have been a Christian for any amount of time are going to know the reality of this feeling. And uh, that is when you've been stressed out, you've tried it on your own, and then, uh, well, you can repeat the sentence. I feel like a huge weight has been 
lifted off my shoulders. Anybody that's been a Christian for any amount of time is going to have experienced that at some point along the way, where it's like, I just felt a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. That's what it feels like when God is involved in your life, working your life, and these burdens are, are removed or being taken away from your life. That's what it feels like. Now, when we look at a verse like this one, it is always helpful to look at a verse in context. Uh, um, the more you kind of read the Bible and study the Bible and understand the Bible, there's some verses that you just like memorize as one-liners. That's good. And it's also helpful to understand where that verse fits in the biggest, biggest scheme of things. And so this particular verse, uh, 1 Peter, in context, uh, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 6, says this. It says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in, in honor. And then verse 7, give all your worries and cares to God. <laughs> this is such an interesting verse. God is asking us to humble ourselves because that's what God requires. He's saying, I don't want you to do it in your own strength. I don't want to do it because you to do it because you're so smart or you're so athletic or you're so compassionate or whatever. I want you to humble yourself and be dependent on me. And then our big idea is because God is really powerful. And when we can depend on Him and lean on Him and whatever, God's power will get us through. Now, I want to show you another little clip on that, my favorite team now, the Fiji Sevens rugby team. This is how they receive their medals. I don't know how other people receive their medals, but this is how the Fijian guys receive their gold medal. Okay, South Africa. Africa. Can move on from South Africa. Africa to third. Here are the bronze medal winners. And we'll move on past South Africa. And we'll move on past Great Britain because they just receive medals like everybody. I'm a hero. Give me my medal. Let me shine. And then we see, there's Great Britain. Look how great we are. And we received our medals. And then we get Fiji. Gold yeah, medalists. Olympic champions. Medalla Fiji. 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 What a moment in Olympic history for Fiji. It's never happened before. And now they have their first ever Olympic medal. And presenting the medal will be Her Royal Highness, the I'm Princess sorry, Royal, Princess Anne. First to receive is Apisai Domalailai. Okay, just, just stop with it. You see, what, you see what they do? They get on their knees. Okay, this is how we all receive our medal. We get on our knee. Okay, you can give me a medal. And they give three claps. Thank you. Everybody else, oh, I just give me my medal. I'm the greatest. You know, look how famous. These guys just, they just humble. I mean, humble themselves. They're not, they're just like really grateful. It's such a sort of a, what? What's going on there? Why would these guys be so humble? But this is what God is asking ourselves, asking of us. Can we humble ourselves? He has the power. He will, like, do it for us. Can we depend on Him and we do it through humility? It's not how great we are, it's how great He is. Jesus has done the heavy lifting. He has died for us. He is involved in our lives. He loves us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to provide for us. He does not want us to carry all our burdens. He wants to be the shepherd and He desires us to be sheep, follow Him, and to be loved by Him. That's, that's God's plan for us. Now, just in closing... One of the ways that we can 
sort of experience what God is trying to say, uh, just keep this verse up there, if you will, Kevin, uh, is this. We, we, it, it's difficult to take something which is like head knowledge, a verse, and then sort of get it into us. But one of the ways we do that is this. You read this verse. Uh, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Now, I want you to read it again this way. I want you to read it again and just see what words are highlighted in that sentence as you read it. Is it give? Is it all? Is it your? Is it worries? What is it that sort of is highlighted for you? And let's just ask the Spirit of the Lord uh, as a spiritual exercise to highlight whatever God wants to highlight for you. Now, clearly, there's no right or wrong answer. You, you don't get this right or wrong. You, you, this is the Spirit of God, like allowing the Spirit of God to speak to us. So, Holy Spirit, we just ask as we just breathe on this verse, just as each person sitting here today, Lord, just speak to them. Just highlight what it is in this verse that you want to say to your children. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So, I won't read it aloud because I'm going to emphasize what I think I'm going to emphasize. But why don't you read it to yourself in quietness, in the quiet of your heart. Read it two or three times and just, what do you feel God is emphasizing there for you? Amen. Now, if you were in one of our life groups that we're going to be starting soon, what we could do is share like, okay, which words did God emphasize to you? And why did he emphasize those words? And what's going on? And you'd find that there's like a really rich discussion and dialogue that comes out of that. And it's fascinating because it's different for each one of us. But uh, why don't we have the worship team uh, come on up? Because uh, the other way of putting this into practice is we worship and we focus on God and we, and we let our uh, concerns and our troubles you know, be put aside and we, we lift up God and we focus on Him. Uh, the other exercise that you might find useful is if in the back of your bulletin, I've got my next steps. You might want to take those next steps and you might want to work through that, uh, you know, in your quiet time tomorrow morning or whenever you've got some time and just work through those steps and say, is that helpful in trying to uh, give all your worries and cares to God? Because he does care about you. He does love you. So why don't we stand and uh, let's uh, finish out by worshiping and, and then we'll have a chance to, re- excuse me, to respond to prayer at the end.